Hello and welcome to another special edition of the Race Formula E podcast. This is the 2021 season preview where we discuss all the teams and drivers who will be competing in Riyadh post-quarantine and ready for action for the first two races of the first Formula E World Championship campaign. In this episode, we welcome Mercedes Ben's EQ reserve and development driver Gary Paffitt to the show. Gary has been one of the most successful professional British racing drivers of the last 20 years, having won championships in both British and German F3 before embarking on a mega successful 15-season DTM career, which netted two championships and a remarkable 23 race wins. If that wasn't enough, Gary is also a highly prized Formula 1 test driver of many years for Williams and McLaren. Along with the HWA team, he moved into Formula E in 2018, paving the way for the factory Mercedes EQ team to debut in 2019. He's been an instrumental part of the squad in his role ever since, and we'll be travelling out to Saudi Arabia with Formula E's newest winning team as it targets a crack at the 2021 Championship. Gary, a very warm welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah, great great to be here. So, uh, also joining me, your host, Andrew Vandenberg, is our regular Formula E pundit, Sam Smith, who, like all of us, is looking forward to finally getting the season underway. As usual, Sam, we start with your thoughts on Gary and uh, his career. I think anyone who knows and follows international motorsport knows Gary's a a highly decorated professional who has been immensely successful throughout his career. So, that side of things is, is fairly straightforward. What, what I can add is that he's, he's very much respected by his fellow competitors up and down the pit lane, whether it's DTM, GT3 or Formula E, whatever he's competing in. I think what was noticeable from the first time he stepped into a Formula E paddock, which was literally the day after I think he won the 2018 DTM title, was that you know he, he just went straight into the role of, of learning and understanding Formula E. And he's he's been an integral part of, I think, just driving that team forward and finding its feet to be a, a, a victorious proposition as it was in Berlin uh, last August. Thanks, Sam. Um, Gary, can you just explain a little bit about what your actually, your role actually is? What, what is that? How, how do you help the team? Yeah, so my, you know, one of the longest, just longest uh, job descriptions in most I think the, the the development and reserve driver part is a simple part, really. Um, you know, I'm very integral in the development of uh, the car, um, the pre-race preparations, all of that. Most of that is done in the simulator, right? Uh, have from for so many years with with Formula One, especially done a lot of simulator work. So uh, I use all my expertise that I've learned there to develop the simulator, develop our simulation process because that's vital in the preparations of, of Formula E racing. Uh, because with other series, you have um, you know you you need to learn new tracks, and and that's the biggest thing about simulators on but for other series is learning tracks and getting the drivers up to speed. But in Formula E, the simulation process is, is vital to um, getting your, 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 your EMS, your engine management system up and running and, and fine tuning that before you get to the race weekend, because it's a very complex system. Um, and without the simulation process, it makes it very, very challenging. So there's a lot of work goes on there. Also track testing um, during during the season. We have quite a lot of track testing as a manufacturer. So uh, I get in the car occasionally to, to do some track testing and validate what I'm doing in the simulator. Um, and then I'm there at the race weekends as a reserve driver in case uh, one of the two drivers were to fall ill or, as most recent, uh, get a positive COVID test, um, which which seems to be happening more and more often. Um, so that's a simple part of my job. The other part is uh, I am a, a technical and sporting di- uh, advisor at the team. 
Um, and it's very much a role I developed. Um, I, I moved into in DTM when I was uh, towards the end of my 15-year period there with Mercedes-Benz and have continued into, into Formula E. And it's, it's very much uh, the case of taking a driver's point of view, a driver's perspective of, on, on everything that goes on in the team. Um, we see things from a very different view to other people sometimes, um, whether it be regards to the engineering, how the engineers are talking to the drivers, what, what information they're wanting from the drivers, um, even down to you know having a look over the, the, the time schedule for the drivers about when they're doing stuff, when they're doing marketing events, when they're doing this, when they need to prioritize uh, doing engineering when we can allow them time to spend with the the marketing and PR. So everything really to try and help maximize the performance of of the drivers and also of of the team. So um, yeah, just giving my my general view and opinion on absolutely anything I can see where we can improve in the team and and using my years of experience in in both DTM and Formula One to uh, to try and do that. Excellent. Well, I think we've got the right guy on the show uh, to preview this season then. Uh, And ahead of that, Sam, what do you think broadly are going to be the main talking points of this, the seventh season of Formula E? Well, as ever in Formula E, there are are several, you know, take your your pick. There's a huge choice. I think top of the pile is probably going to be the long-term futures of the, the manufacturers in the championship. Uh, Audi and BMW have already already withdrawn uh, late last year. There's a strong assumption that Porsche and Mercedes will stay for Gen 3, uh, and Nissan are also looking likely to commit as well. The news yesterday that Jaguar Land Rover will become completely EV-orientated, I think only gives additional positivity to them uh, taking another rule set in Formula E. Then there's the question whether or not Gary's old team, McLaren, will come into Formula E as well. The jury's still out on that one but the uh the indications are positive that they could come in for season nine as well the stalking horses like alfa romeo and uh, hyundai who are on the periphery of formula e that could that could come in in the future the calendar will be a hot topic as always especially uh th- these days with the the pandemic still uh, wreaking havoc to live entertainment businesses and, and sports around the world i think as long as we get some prestige races in such as Seoul, Monaco, New York, uh, and of course, we all hope London, then I think it will be a a season well done for Formula E. Uh, Other talking points are bound to uh, crop up, such as the cost cap issue, which has been worked on by the FIA and Formula E for the teams and manufacturers. And then there are, I guess, what you'd call more existential topics, such as where Formula E fits into motorsport in relation to um, F1 in some ways as well in, in the, the medium and long-term future. And and if there is, you know, got to be an embrace between the two of some description, I think that will start to hot up as Gen 3 comes on as well. And there has to be, I guess, some aspect of EV technology in the medium term in, in F1 uh, at some point. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot to uh, pick the bones out of uh, there for us and, lot to keep our readers informed about this year. Gary, one of the things that intrigues me most about this season is the fact that we're going to race on a permanent circuit for the first time, or a wholly permanent circuit in Valencia. This is something I've been wanting to see almost since the beginning. How do you think that car is going to work on there, and what sort of racing are we likely to see? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting prospect. I think we, we do a lot of testing on permanent circuits, um, although some of that is on the, the most tight and twisty circuits we can find, you know, uh, formerly cars aren't uh, naturally suited to to permanent race circuits you know they're, they're quite if you line a Formula E car up next to something like a Formula One car they look tiny they really do they're quite small cars and they're really well suited to the tight and twisty street circuits that we normally race on so 
um, putting them on a, a full size sort of racetrack um, is 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 not their natural sort of hunting ground. So it's uh, the the preseason testing that we've done at Valencia in in, in the past few years, uh, and as I say, some of the um, some of the testing that we do, the private testing we do at, at normal race circuits, it does feel um, it does feel a little bit strange compared to what we're used to, but. They still perform well, I think, especially this Gen 2 car over the Gen 1 car. You know, the power is is quick. You know, the speed that we're getting to is is pretty high. The cornering speeds are, are pretty high. Um, you know, the grip level and the downforce isn't like you'll find on a on, on a on a you know Formula One car, for instance, because there isn't a lot of downforce. We still have these all weather tires, um, but they're going to perform well. The only um, the only issue, I think. Is that the uh, the way um, the race circuits uh, are shaped and the type of corners we have? Um, there's quite a lot of energy saving for the races. So you know you're lifting quite early for these sort of corners uh, compared to what we find on a on a street circuit. So in terms of that, will that make the overtaking a lot less? Will it make the the, the race seem a bit slower? Probably, but you know we've got to see what they can do. I hope they can be quite adventurous with the, the layout at Valencia, try and try and put in some, some additional curbs and, and, and things to try and make some of the corners a bit tighter and try and liven up the racing. But you know, the, the cars feel, feel great actually on, on the circuits. They, they do feel, feel great to drive. But as I say, I think the, uh, the race runs are, are quite challenging when we do the winter testing. I think one thing they're going to have to look out for are those track limit violations, especially that first corner. Sam, I remember sitting with you there during pre-season testing, and some of the abuse was uh, let's call it flagrant. <laughs> it was, it was indeed. They were they were in a different postcode occasionally, weren't they? Um, from, from what I understand, the FIA are going to implement some kind of reasonably innovative way of. Um, of tracking these uh, the, these limits, it's not an easy thing for them to do on on such a such a track. They did have a system in Valencia back in November, which was a um, I, I think a sort of a, a transponder type system where where cars were penalised. And I remember Stoffel and and Nick getting uh, pinged for what was it ten minutes, Gary? They they got a ten minute sort of. Uh, and benching for, yeah. for a bit so yeah. um sin bin. yeah sin for 10 minutes so they weren't the only ones there was a fair few others who who uh who had that issue as well but yeah i mean it has to be addressed what i what i understand the latest is that the track will will involve a chicane on the on the start finish straight now where that's located is going to be um absolutely absolutely paramountly important to the way that the the race will pan out and, and i think there will be a few modifications to the one um, they used in testing around the back of the track as well. Um, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how it pans out. I think there will be a use of walls, so there will be some perimeter walls used. And as Gary said, let's hope that some of the, the curbs are altered or adjusted as well. But I, I think actually if we have one or two of those in, in a season such as this, which is uh, compromised heavily by the pandemic, I, I don't think it's a, a disaster. And, and quite often when you have these curveball races, and you, you get some you get some terrific action. So I think Formula E will make the most of it. I think it will be a, a, a very intriguing race. And, uh, yeah, hopefully those uh, transponders that Scott Elkins has um, can keep up with uh, any track limits if they could. Well, let's crack on with our team-by-team uh, team preview then. Um, first up is the team that's taken the wooden spoon for the past two seasons, and that's Neo. It's now entering its second year as Neo 333. Uh, Oliver Turvey is there for a sixth full season. Uh, he'll be joined by Tom Blomfist, who joins the uh, revolving door in that second seat, uh, following his other cameos at Andretti and Jaguar. 
Um, before we speak to you two, though, I believe Sam has spoken to Oliver Turvey. So let's hear his hopes for 2021. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think it's really exciting. Um, obviously, season seven um, is going to be the fully uh, FIA World Championship. And um, it's been a, a long, long time since the last race. You know, it's uh, we had since August, basically last year, we had some testing and um, yeah, pre- preparing basically for season seven with a, a new powertrain. Um and really, the, the team have been putting a, put a huge amount of effort into this powertrain because we had a lot of changes within the team ahead of last season. And um, yeah, there was it was a struggle. We had a, a difficult season last year, but um, a lot of the focus and a lot of the effort was put into this new powertrain for season seven and and the future. So yeah, definitely, um, I think the the preparations have been been uh, you know going well. And I think you know there's a lot a lot more optimism going into this season. And I think. You know, we 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 have a better package. So, but uh, you know, obviously the competition in Formula E is strong. So um, it's it's you know we've got to see where we are in the first race. But um, you know, certainly looking forward to getting out to Diria and uh, and going racing again. The last two seasons we've been been challenging, and, and um, you know, I think we, we we want to be fighting you know uh, further up the grid. And I think you know if we can be consistently fighting for points, um, that that would be a good step. And I think you know it's it's tricky now even with the level of the competition you know there's there's so many competitive cars to be in the top 10 is tough and um yeah definitely if we can can be fighting for points on a regular basis um this season that would be a good step um so gary it's, it's almost a cliche to say that turvey is one of the unsung heroes of formerly uh, he's even doing your old job at mclaren now but what do you make of his standing uh and the reputation he's developed even despite being in arguably the worst car on the grid yeah, I mean, Oliver was working with, with McLaren when I was there already. So he's been there a long time as well. And I think Oliver, Oliver's great strength is that he knows engineering. You know, he, he's, a, he, he's, he's, you know, he's a graduate engineer, I think. He's, he knows what he's talking about. And that was a massive benefit, I think, when Formery started because of how complex these cars were and still are, that having a knowledge of engineering really helps you to get the most out of it, helps you to understand what you need changed on the car. So I think Oliver's sort of carved himself a pretty good career in, in Formula E with, with the speciality sort of skills he has. Um, you know, he's, as you say, he's in uh, what has been the worst car on the grid. Um, I know they're, they're trying hard this year. You know, my old DTM engineer, Rob Sattler's there now, and, and he says some good things about the team and the progress they're trying to make. So they really are trying hard to make steps forward, and I, and I hope to see them um, certainly further up the grid. Um, you know, Tom Blomquist is... Is, is a really good driver. You know, you see what he's what he's been able to do in, in DTM and other series. I think that he didn't get um, a fair crack at the whip last time he was in Formula E. So hopefully this time he gets a, a, a better shot and, and can show what he can do. So, you know, they're both they're both good drivers. And I feel that, um, as Sam said, I feel that they should be in a position to be to be scoring points, hopefully, because, you know, you don't you know, you don't want to see anyone trudging around at the back every weekend. You know, you want everyone to be able to be in the mix at some point. So um, I hope they're able to to make the step forward that they're trying to do. Next up, we uh, move on to Dragon Penske, who will run uh, Nico Muller and Sergio Sete Camera. Uh, it's been a few years since they were a true race, uh, really, in the outfit. How do you think these? How do you see things changing this season, Sam? Um, I'd, I'd love to say there'll be a change and that they'll be doing what Neo did and, and climbing up the grid a little bit and, and fighting for points. But in all honesty, until they get their new powertrain for Rome, because they're one of the three teams using the slot two homologation for this season, I, I honestly think 
they're on a bit of a hiding to nothing in the first two races at least. I mean, let's see. There, there's some really good people there at that team. Team manager um, Gary Holland and Gary Davis, who is uh, engineering chief there, who's joined from Porsche North America and has got a lot of experience in Formula 3000 and, and GP2 with, with Arden in particular. I think that they'll be stronger and they can understand last year's package a bit better on the software front for the first two races. But, of course, everyone else has has made steps uh, too. So I think it'll, it'll level itself out and I think they'll really struggle during the races. That's not to say that they can't qualify well, which they did on occasion last year with, with Nico Muller. But the, the fact really comes down to they, they are still their own manufacturer, whereas Fonturi and Envision, as we've seen, uh, can get wins and podiums as a, as a genuine customer. So it's a bit of a worry that they, they still seem to be in that position. They have looked at options for the future, have been a, a customer. Uh, they've not taken that option, and they're continuing to to go with what they've got in their own their own powertrain and their own their own suppliers. Which let's see. I mean, the gen t- uh, sorry, the slot two uh, homologation will come. Uh, things could improve for Rome, but equally, you know, they haven't started testing that massively yet. So they're kind of one they're one step behind DS and Nissan, who've been testing their next season so the one that they're going to come in with Rome uh, for the past few months concurrently with the work they've been doing in Valencia with their old package so I think in Muller and, and Sete Camera they have a they have a really great pairing there I think on the driving strength I mean uh, Gary will tell you all about Nico Muller having raced with him for several seasons he had a really difficult season last season Sete Camera did some had some really good performances in Berlin but but as I said you know we for years now we've been saying the same thing and, and the results haven't really changed for the positive so I hope I'm wrong but I only see a, a, quite an arduous season again I'm afraid for, for Dragon Penske. Gary as uh, Sam said you raced against Muller in the DTM how do you rate him? Uh, yeah Nico's, Nico's a really good driver he um, went sort of strength to strength in DTM so um, he, year by year he seems to get stronger and stronger and Certainly in, in the final season last year, he pushed Rene Rest pretty much all the way for the championship, actually, and was a, was a championship leader and a championship contender for the whole season. So I think Nico um, is, is very talented. I think he's probably going to be a bit frustrated to still be in a Dragon and not, and not in an Audi, uh, which, which doesn't help. But, um, you know, he's, um, he, he's now got a lot of former experience. And, and as we've seen, he's, he's quick. He just needs to, you know, I think, be a bit more consistent in that car. But I think sometimes listening to the drivers is quite difficult. I think it's quite an unpredictable car to drive and not the easiest car to drive. So that's why I think the performances can be a bit up and down. Um, and as Sam said, I think, you know, the, the start, the first the first weekend is going to be very tough with the package that they had last year. And, and we're just going to see what step they're able to make with uh, with with the new powertrain. So, um, yeah, two two good drivers. Um, and we just have to see how they go. But, it, yeah, it will be it will be tough to start with, certainly. Okay, so let's move on to uh, Rocket Venturi, who will continue to race as a customer team with the Mercedes powertrains. And a big change there this year is Norman Nato replacing Felipe Massa. Um, Gary, you're quite close to this team. You've tested with them before. Um, do you think they've got a bit of a dark horse chance this season? I absolutely do. Um, you know, we work very closely with with Venturi being a, a customer of, of, of Mercedes, basically. So we spend, we're quite closely linked with them. Um, you know, and I know Eduardo, you know, 
Mortara very well. Um, I, I've met Norman and spoken to Norman as well in, in, in Valencia, and he's a really nice guy, and, and the team rate him really highly. So they've got a couple of drivers that, um, that have really got a lot of ability. Uh, Eduardo's, Edo's got some a lot of experience in formery now, you know, and, and is capable of winning races. And I think we showed the, the package at the end of the last year was capable of winning races too. Um, we'll see. I mean, everyone, no one knows where you're going to be, but we expect the package to be able to fight near the front. And, and considering yeah, effectively they have the same pack package as Mercedes Benz have, uh, they definitely have the ability to be finishing near the front of the grid. So I think that um, they, you know, should definitely be 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 considered a, a challenger for 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 race wins and podiums. Well, the other change at Venturi is um, new investors have come into the team, and uh, and there's a new deputy team manager too. So Jerome D'Ambrosio, who'd been a driver in the series since it started, uh, is there now, and he's talked to Sam about what he thinks the team can achieve. I think we have a good car. We have a strong driver lineup. We 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 had a good preparation test in Valencia. Having said that, you know always difficult to figure out where you'll be at the first race because uh, there's a, a lot of of, uh, of of unknowns but that's where we want to be we want to be fighting at the front we want to be fighting we want to be on podiums um, and and I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be able to uh, to do that so that's clearly the the, the goal and, and let's let's try to make it happen in Saudi Venturi's often had this tag of being a bit of a bit of an underdog or a dark horse or whatever you want to call it. I suppose some of that naturally comes with being a, a customer team. And, and, and I guess Envision are similar with, with Audi in a way. Do you think that sort of helps the, the, the pressure and, and just the overall expectation of the team? How do you view that one, Jerome? Look, I think being a customer team, you know, doesn't mean that you want to win less. Far from that. Uh, of course, we have a different definition on how we're called in, in the championship and we have a different interaction in regards to the powertrain as we don't manufacture it. But every single member of the team wants to go out there and, and, and to go for the win and, and has a passion for the sport, for the competition and, and to do the best they can. And, and that's very much anchored as, as, a, as, as part of, of, of the team, as part of our values and, and why we go racing for it. So, so yeah, I think you know being a being a customer team, uh, perhaps from the outside, uh, sets us as as the underdog. And and for sure, I mean, in, in the end, we have to we have to to improve and, and keep on getting better. Uh, but we are there to succeed and to and, and and to fight for 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 wins and to fight at the front. And 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 that's what we're going for uh, in Saudi. Next up is Mahindra, a team that will be keen to banish a poor last campaign due to a variety of issues. This time, though, they've got a new technical partnership with ZF, and they've signed last season's Diria E-Prix winner, Alexander Sims. Um, what chance of a Mahindra renaissance, Sam? A uh, good one, I think. Uh, they've, they've had a bit of a quiet revolution going on at Mahindra. They've got a new shiny HQ in Banbury, which I've been to and is very impressive. Fresh engineering talent within the team, and this all-important technical partnership with ZF who are you know I don't think ZF need much introduction they've been in motorsport for many years and achieved great things in um in 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 DTM and and sports car racing in particular Dilbert Gill is very determined man he's the team principal of Mahindra and has been since their very first laps in Formula E he's planned this transformation for several seasons now and, and wants to be back on the podium 
they had a really strong Valencia test, and I think in Alexander Sims and Alex Lynn, it has a really potent matchup as well. And yeah, they're, they're slightly sort of dark horsey as well. I'd I put them in that bracket with with Venturi as maybe been able to upset the apple cart on occasion and, and come away with, I think at least podiums are doable, to be honest with you. And I think at the very least, they could challenge for, for victories this season and get back on the, the top step for the first time since um, D'Ambrosio's win in Marrakesh a couple of years ago. So I, I see them as a, a, a pretty consistent threat. I, it may be one of these things that takes a bit of time to come on this season, but I think they, they can look forward to some some good times in season seven. Yeah, I agree. I've uh, had a look around the factory too, and it's uh, it's quite an impressive facility there, and they're, they're clearly taking it very seriously. And I, I think that the lineup of the two Alexes should uh, put them in good stead. Um, Gary, next up, uh, the first of the German quartet, and a team I think that most of the rest of the grid feared when they heard they were coming in, and that's uh, Tagheuer Porsche. Um, they did a pretty good debut season, podium in Saudi, pole in Mexico, but it sort of tailed off a little bit in Berlin. Um, what did you make of that season and, and what do you think they could achieve this year? Yeah, I mean, we they obviously came in as, as the same time as uh, as we did, Mercedes did officially. Um, and that was sort of the big competition we had coming in, both having our first season. And, you know, they didn't start anywhere near as strongly as we did, um, I think. But, you know, they showed signs of, of, of you know, good pace, good race pace. And, and obviously got they've got two two very talented drivers in, in Andre with, with the amount of experience he's now got in, in Formulary, but also at Tachita and, and Pascal, who is, you know, incredibly fast and is, is still learning Formulary uh, to a point, but he's, but he's now gained some experience and he certainly has the speed. So they, um, yeah, from a driver point of view, they're very strong. Um, and from an engineering and, and funding point of view, they're also very, very strong. So I think we we should expect them to be near the front. You know, I think they'll they'll be very disappointed if they're not challenging for, for, for podiums and race wins from the start. Um, but we all expected that from the start of last season. It didn't quite happen. So I think um, their expectation will be to be near the front. And I think we should all expect them to be fighting near the front. Um, and we've just got to wait and see if they, they're able to sort of live up to that claim, basically. Obviously, Pascal's another ex-DTM racer who you know well. Um, do, do you see him as a, as a good fit there? I mean, to me, he seems to have been a bit of an enigma. He's, there's no doubt in his speed, but he, he doesn't necessarily seem to be the most consistent. Yeah, Pascal has never had any doubts over his speed. You know, he's always been very quick. Um, but... For 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 many for for many a few reasons he hasn't um, been able to 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 put a, a really strong consistent uh, season sort of championship challenge on in, in DTM or in Formula at the moment it seems so what what it is goes on he just there's some inconsistency there there's some uh, inconsistent performances in races as well so I think that um, that's what he needs to work on really because you know his his speed is there but. Um, I think that the consistency really needs to be improved for him to be a, a really consistent performer right at the front. Um, and and only, only he knows why that's not coming, I think. A few weeks ago, we had a great chat with Jaguar boss James Barkley, who seemed fairly bullish about this chance for their coming season. Um, Sam Bird's obviously the big arrival there. Um, having two number one drivers, Sam, is always a challenge. But what do you think is their chance of success? I think they've got a chance. Um, it's a slightly tricky one to evaluate or appraise. I think on paper, yes, you know, you should never forget that last season there was a sort of brief window where they looked to be the strongest out there. Santiago, um, where Evans was on the front row, and then Mexico City when he when he won at a canter. 
they seem to be top dog with with Mitch. Um, and then it sort of fell away in Berlin for for a variety of reasons. With Sam Bird arriving at the team, I think it's it's almost too easy to say, well, you know, there's your missing ingredient. Go and get the title. You know, Formula E indeed motorsport isn't isn't quite that simple. The facts are that the Valencia test wasn't fantastic for them. Mitch Evans had an accident, quite a curious shunt, actually. I saw most of it occur in, um, in, in the distance from the press room, just happened to be watching at that stage. And he, he went off a long way, and it was clear that there was some form of braking issue. Um, although the team wouldn't confirm it, it, it did seem to be a braking problem that Mitch had. They've they've brought in more in-house technically to this um this latest jaguar and i think although that's a positive of course it also means that there's probably more ad- additional development uh, to be done on on the package so there's a little bit of question marks about the not necessarily the reliability but just um if they are if they're hitting the ground running in riyadh i think it's fair to say that um it wouldn't surprise me if jaguar had a slightly trickier start than others and that they started to come on stronger as the season wore on perhaps in the second half of the season the Bird and Evans dynamic is going to be one of the real sort of tasty points of the season I think Sam Bird inexorably linked with Virgin he's the only driver to have won a race in every season of Formula E so far you know equally he's coming into a team with an ever present in it in the shape of Mitch Evans so something has to give somewhere right I mean it kind of did with the Costa and Vern last season. So, so let's see on this one. I think the one thing Jaguar will be pretty confident about is the fact that they're two experienced operators. So any confrontational stuff will hopefully be kept to a, a minimum to some degree. But you never know in Formula E. I think probably one or two out of every sort of 10 teammate partnerships, one or two run completely harmoniously don't they over the course of a season so you know let's be frank it's it's great for us as as fans and and media for for gossiping and sort of talking it up a lot and, and following the story but you know it certainly gives the team's palpitations but i i think it's um i think if, if it all works out i think jaguar will be will be up there at the sharp end but you know it, it may it may be that it, it comes on later rather than sooner gary you've been a part of some superstar lineups in various dtm Merck guises how do you deal with that as a driver? Does it inspire you, or do you, do you, or is there always a little bit of a dent? Your ego is like the next big thing is brought in when you've still been there establishing yourself. Yeah, it depends. Depends how you you take it. You know, the way I always saw it is that um, you bring a, another top driver in. It just helps make me even better. You know, and through the fifteen years I had of a DTM, there was probably twenty drive young drivers that came in. Um, I managed to fend them all off on the way, which was nice. But, um, you know, it it really is down to the two of them and how they manage it. And they need someone else in the team to manage the pair of them as well, Uh, because there will be there will be moments when when they're on track together and there will be disputes and there will be arguments, no doubt. And um, my personal point of view, I hope there are some nice arguments going on there and uh, they can they can start taking points off each other. But certainly having. Yeah, having two number one drivers, you are at some point going to be taking points off each other. So it does compromise your your, your driver point scoring a bit. But it will also help drive the team forwards, having two people with a lot of experience and, and two people with experience of winning races. So it is uh, definitely a positive for the team, and it's just how they manage it and how each of the drivers um, deal with it personally, really. But, um, you know, Sam is definitely, you know, added something extra to the team, which they, which they probably needed. And 
as you know, as Sam said, you know, at one point they were they were the team to beat, and they were the one we were we were all looking at. And then they they dropped away and and became sort of a kind of distant sort of thing in our mirrors, really. So it was um, a bit strange uh, last season, to be honest. Well, next up is your old nemesis, Gary Audi. Um, this, of course, was going to be their final season informally. They were there through apps from the beginning. Were you a little bit surprised by their decision to withdraw? I was, I was, yeah. Um, and I think that there's been a lot of talk over the withdrawal of from Audi and, and, and of BMW and, and where is formally headed. But I think everybody needs to remember that manufacturers come in and out of every form of motorsport at one point or another. You know, it's not a, a formally specific thing. You know, you see it in F1, you see it in in WEC, LMP, you see it in all series where formal manufacturers come in and out. Um, so it's um, it's a shame to lose Audi, certainly. You know, they they uh, have been part of the series from from the start and, and it's certainly sad to see them go. And But it'll be interesting to see how they get on with with, with Lucas obviously being the, the guy that's been around for for the whole time, the sort of head of uh, all the drivers, I think, in, in Formula E. And then, and then Rene, who um, I know very well from DTM, uh, you know, he's won three championships there. And he certainly so just showed us in Berlin what he can do and, and he can go and push Lucas all the way. So it will be another interesting battle between, between teammates there. Yeah, Rene's a really interesting one. I think it's someone that both Sam and I rate really highly. I feel a little bit sorry for him in a way that he gets his big break and it's like the final season. But do you do you think he can he can take the fight to Lucas? Obviously, the, the probably the most experienced driver in Formula E. You know? uh, yeah, I, I absolutely think think he can. He's really talented. Um, I'm very proud to say I'm the only person to have beaten him in a DHM championship in the last five years. So. That's that's a nice thing to be able to say, <laughs> but um, he's he's really talented and he doesn't get phased about anything. You know, he he's he's a cool customer, but he's a hard racer, as we saw with some of his moves in 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 Berlin. He fitted in really well, really quickly. So I think he can really push Lucas all the way and probably beat him. I think that's my prediction. Interesting. Well, next up is the another team that you mentioned there that are pulling out at the end of the season that's uh bmw i andretti but before we go into those details sam you've spoken to max gunter so let's hear what he thinks is possible for this season for sure it's all you know different with uh with the covid pandemic but uh, i think we found a very good way to yeah extract all in our preparation we did some very good development um, and i think it worked Really, really well, um, and yeah, I'm I'm feeling good with with all we did so far. How good and how strong we will be, we will see quite soon in the first few races. As we know, the competition is super high um, for sure. But um, of course, you know, last year winning two races, um, it is uh, clearly my goal this year to to fight for the championship. So Sam. Um BMW pulling out of Formula E. It seems like a slightly strange decision, especially when you analyse what's going on in the in the motor industry. Yeah, it was a strange decision. I, but you know, I think trying to second guess BMW's motorsport strategy is you know it's it's juggling sand, isn't it? I don't think anyone really quite comprehends what the you know what the aims and objectives are. But they have withdrawn. Um, it's disappointing, I think, for for everyone, not 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 least Jake Dennis, who's just joined the team. Similar manner to similar manner to Rene Rast uh, in that regard. I the, the rationale they gave really didn't make sense. It was effectively saying, look, you know, we've come, we've learned, we've you know, we've we've done our EV, uh, we've done our EV program, and and we're off now. Um, it was very different to Audi's because Audi 
gave more rationale and said, look, we're going to go and do other things, an LMDH project and a, um, the Dakar project as well. So, yeah, it, it felt a bit of an empty an empty statement. But um, like I said, it's it's done now. Um, it's a shame because I, I personally think they've done a, a, a pretty decent job. I mean, you know, they haven't been genuine title challenges that they've won. They've won a bunch of races with the Costa Sims and and Gunter, and and there's every there's every chance that they can challenge for the title this season. I mean, they they they're right up there in the sort of top three or four teams. I'm sure Gary will attest to that. And actually, even in season eight, they with the the rules being stable, they would still have a chance if they were in the championship. But they're not. Uh, Max Gunter's been exceptional. I think he's been one of the finds. Of the championship, uh, consistency is slightly, slightly lacking with Max. But you know, people people forget that really, you know, it was only his second full season last season. Um, so I think he's done a done a really good job, and his stock is is very high in Formula E. Jake Dennis, a uh, bit of an unknown uh, in Formula E terms, but I think personally, I think that he could create some big upsets this season, and I think that that we'll hear a lot from from Jake Dennis. He's as it stands, he's only got one one shot at it with this season. But let's see. I think that he could make a real name for himself, just as Gunter did uh, previously. So next up, uh, Envision Virgin, a team that's won a race every season in Formula E, despite most of those seasons being a privateer outfit. Um, Gary, how impressive is it that a team of that size is able to consistently fight against the, the big works outfits in the Formula E? Uh, yeah, it's very impressive. You know, they've been consistently a front runner and um, although not, not really fighting for the, for the championship um, through a lot of last year, they had some, some, some issues, some collisions and, and dropped off the pace a little bit. Um, they've been really consistently uh, fighting at the front and it is, it is impressive not being a manufacturer, but if you look at it on, on the other side of things, um, not being a manufacturer means you don't have to do all the work that a manufacturer has to do. Um, you know, you get given given the same package that the manufacturer has spent months and months developing and all you've got to do out is go and race it. Um, you've got to you know, tune your tools and, and all you're focused on. You're not focused on development. All you're focused on is trying to make that car fast. Um, so in, in some way, it's less complicated being a privateer in Formula E than it is uh, actually being a manufacturer. So you do lose out with with not having uh, the, the pre-season testing that the manufacturers have. You know, they turn up at, at Valencia with the kit for the first time and, and that's so it, it can lead to a tough start to the season. Um, but if they manage to, 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 to get on top of things quickly, they can certainly be a threat from from early in the season. And, you know, Robin is now very experienced in Formula E and is a really, really talented guy. So... Um, they, uh, you know, I think they should should have a good chance of fighting near near the front again. Sam, we had Nick Cassidy as a guest on this show, well, a few months back now. Although the days and weeks all blur into one in these uh, lockdown times. But what do you think we can expect from him in his uh, rookie season? Oh, a great deal, uh, no doubt about it. I think he could be the next uh, Roland or De Vries in terms of really taking to Formula E and, and understanding it and getting some big results. The indications are that he's. Heading in that direction already, and I think, I think actually Robin Frines, as as Gary mentioned, he's 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 a perfect teammate in a way because he will Nick will learn so much from just being in and around Robin uh, in a in a race situation, which I think is crucial. You take every last drop of experience from if he's if he's you know if he's that way inclined maybe maybe he'll sort of go his own way but I think having spoken to Nick he's he's got his head screwed on and I think that's the way that he'll go and I think he'll be equipped 
very quickly in terms of getting close to Robin uh, and been appraised against Robin because, I mean, in my mind, Robin Frines is right up there in terms of natural talent. I don't think I'm the first to say that, but, you know, you see some of the the reflexes and, you know, sort of the um, dancing octopus style qualifying runs that he does when his whole arms and elbows, I mean, it's terrific to watch. Um, and I think he... Um, he just extracts so much from from the package. Cassidy will be in Group Four, qualifying at Deria, which is significant, and he has a really decent chance, I think, of starting in a top six position for the first round on uh, on Friday. So ultimately, I'd be surprised if he isn't seen on the podium at some stage this season. He'd probably say, "Oh no, that's 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 way too early," and, and play it down a bit. But honestly, I think he'll be one of these rookies who really get some some big results and some some big points uh, sooner rather than later. Next up, it's uh, Mercedes. Gary, obviously you're contractually obliged to talk up their chances, but um, what's the feeling like inside the camp? Do you re- they really think that this could be the year? Well, I, I think we are certainly uh, certainly positive after a fantastic end to the season. Uh, you know, the one-two finish in, in the final race at Berlin was uh, really a climax of, of what was a, a an up and down season, actually. You know, we had some really strong races. We we started very strong um, at the first first few races, and then we 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 struggled a little bit in in other races. Even at Berlin, we had we had some good performances and, and some bad performances. But um, you know, we, we ended the season in, in in third in the championship, and and Stoffel ended in second in the championship. So clearly, it was a very strong season. Uh, replicating that is not going to be easy. You know, I think. Um, the thing that that is easy to f- to forget is that MBFE, you know, Mercedes uh, Benz Formula E team is not uh, an established year old team. Uh, you know, we we haven't been going 10, 20 years. You know, it's not a team that's part. This is a brand new team that was that was set up for season five. Um, you know, people pulled from from some from in Mercedes in F one, some from DTM, um, like myself, you know, we, we, we moved from winning the DTM championship. The next day we were at Valencia testing. Um, it was the same for me and some of the engineers as well. So this team's only been running, um, two years. So it's a very young team. Um, and, and we have very high expectations both internally, but certainly externally from, from the press, from, from anybody out there, because carrying the Mercedes Benz badge carries high expectations. Um, so, you know, we we are aiming at the we're aiming high. You know, we're aiming at the top. We feel like we um, are in a position with two really talented drivers. We um, are hoping, obviously, that our new powertrain is going to be really competitive and able to to, to fight at the front. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a step on last year's powertrain. And um, yeah, everything else around the team is 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 was developed and and getting better and better last year. So hopefully we can have a strong start to the year. And our aim is obviously to be to be fighting for uh, for the first World Championship in Formula E. Has there been one particular area of focus that the team's had to, to take a step forward, just across the board, incremental gains in every area? I think it's just a case of improving consistency, um, you know, in all areas, really. Uh, I, I think that... Um, you know, Nick is 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 now entering his second season. So he, had, you know, first year last year had some a couple of rookie errors, like everyone does. Um, you know, he's now uh, in his second season, and and you know, the problem the problem is with Nick, it wasn't a first full season. You know, we we had half a season, then we did Berlin for six races. So there's still a lot of circuits and a lot of places he's missed out on. So he'll still be a, like a rookie at some of the events that we go to. 
Uh, Stoffel has now got a fair amount of experience in Formula E. So driver-wise, I think that they were just looking at uh, where we can be more consistent. But as a team, I think it's about trying to extract the, the best performance from the package we have on a more consistent basis. You know, we had races where we, we struggled to get on the pace and, and races where we, you know, I think one of the most particular was, was Stoffel in Marrakesh was, was off the pace for the whole weekend. And, and that's what we need to try and avoid. You know, you need to, you're not going to win every race in Formula E, but you need to pick up as many points as you can every weekend. And I think there were some weekends where we, we didn't do that. And, and that's what we need to try and focus on. You know, you, as a top team, you'll get the, the headline wins like we did in Berlin, hopefully, a one-two finish. But it's, it's the ones that finish in sort of fourth, fifth, sixth that, that win championships. And that's what we need, to, we need to try and do is make sure we can you know, be more consistent in, in that sort of medium point uh, place, really. Sam, next up is uh, Nissan Edams. In their previous guise as Renault, they were the team to beat in the championship, even if they didn't necessarily win it every year. But they've only really been an, an intermediate uh, challenge as uh, in their Nissan guys. Is this the season where they take that step back to the front? Yeah, I think so. I think they're a genuine favourite and, and a really dangerous proposition for their competitors. Uh, genuine title chance this year. They are taking the slot to homologation, but they have a, such a strong package from the end of last season, as we saw in Berlin with that breakthrough Oliver Rowland win that you know, I think I think they can they can replicate that in Diria. No no problem about that. Buemi definitely has another title in him, uh, and Oliver Rowland now knows how to to win and control races uh, if he gets an opportunity. So they're a really strong unit in that regard. Um, it could be significant in terms of Oliver Rowland. I I just feel that that Rowland is. Um, He's, he's a little bit sort of he sort of comes up on the rails a bit, you know. He's 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 acknowledged himself that he he has made mistakes in, in important places. I mean, Santiago last year he made several in one weekend, and and that always is hard to come back from. But the the evidence is that he's he's coming back stronger, and I think actually he could be a real danger this season. I, I could see him. I could see him and Buemi been a real. Um, a, a real sort of pincer movement to, to some of the favourites in, in the championship. And it's just a case then of whether they can run that age-old thing in Formula E, you know, can they run together and, and not trip over each other. But so far the evidence suggests that they've got a great relationship and they can actually they can actually choreograph that better than other teams, uh, some other teams it seems. I think added to what they have this season, they've hired Cyril Jourdain from uh, Toyota Motorsport. He was integral to Toyota Gazoo's success in, in the WEC and Le Mans over the last sort of four, five, six years. Uh, so they've got a nice, nicely strengthened engineering department. I, I think Nissan Edams are among the favourites uh, over the course of the season. And uh, yeah, I, I, I anticipate that, you know, they, they, will get, they will get multiple wins this season. Well, next up, we've got our champions, Diaz Chichita, um, who have amazingly yet to be beaten in this Gen 2 era. Um, Gary, from your analysis of what you've seen in Valencia, is that still the case for season seven? I th- honestly, I think Valencia is tough to actually read. To be honest, um, you know, it's it's a different circuit. Okay, we will be racing there now, but but you know, you, you can't read too much into the testing. But you know, based on the their performances in the last few seasons, I fully expect them to be the the team to beat again. And um, their their main strength is, is is their race race pace and, and and the efficiency in the races. You know, I think that they don't always qualify on pole and and starting in group in group one uh, most of the time it does make it difficult to qualify on pole. But 
if you can if you can save energy the way they can and, and then use that at the end to come through the pack um that, that that's what wins your races that's what gets you points and that's what the the, the key to their success is their is their efficiency in the races um and, and that's what we that's what we have to try and try and achieve is is their sort of level of efficiency so I, I fully expect them. I don't see any reason why they won't be as strong as they've been in the last past few seasons. Um, you know, they they do have a, a pretty strong rivalry in drivers now with with the Costa and, and, and Jeff. You know, they uh, on track I think don't get on very well. Uh, we've seen a few races this year where they they swap positions backwards, forwards, and you hear a lot of complaints on the radio. So I think that relationship is quite hard to control for the team. Um, they both want to win the races. They both want to win the championships. So that's something that um, that could come up again this season. Um, but apart from that, you know, they have a very strong package. They have two very strong drivers, and and you expect them to be again, like I say, the team to beat. Sam, we had uh, Antonio Felix da Costa on a guest on this show early part of this year. I think it's interesting what Gary says about that on track relationship. Is that their Achilles heel potentially? It, it was last season, yeah. I mean, I the, the great thing about one of the great things about Formula E is when you're there at the track watching the races, or, or in fact at home as we were remotely uh, last August, you can actually listen in to the drivers' radio. You can flick between them, and obviously um, in Berlin, Jeff's uh, Jeff's radio was pretty hot. Let's say, and you learn so much from the uh, you learn some so much from those. Uh, th- those communications between engineer and driver, and, and it was fraught on more than one occasion. It wasn't a one-off. You know, we saw it in Santiago, we saw it in in Mexico, uh, then we saw it to a lesser extent in Marrakesh, but then again in in Berlin. What I understand is that they have changed the engineering setup around quite a bit at the team, and they bedded in at Valencia, and it seemed to work extremely well. Um, anyone who was there would have seen pretty much every team doing the whole slipstreaming choreography um, thing so that they could try and simulate that for, for races to some extent. I think I think it's another intriguing one, De Costa and Vern's relationship. Um, they, they do have a very competitively friendly outside the cockpit relationship but i think it gets a bit fraught inside and and look let's not forget that last week john eric verne was was chosen for a a peugeot le mans seat and and da costa wasn't you know will that will that drive another little wedge between them who knows i mean it 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 could do it might not uh let's see i think it's still kind of slightly bubbling under there but the the bad news for for diesta cheetah's rivals is that they had an excellent Valencia test and the people when you speak to the people there after that test they're even more confident going into this season they believe that this um, this this smoothing of the engineering process and the communication in particular throughout the race um, simulations they've done is is working and will be the kind of the the, the final ingredient in a, in a very potent package as we've seen a very successful package and I, and I actually think that they could even be stronger even with their old powertrain which i'm told that they have they've honed and they've um, they've made some advancements on the software before their new powertrain comes in for rome so they, they, they could be even stronger if that's the case i think it, it, it's a bit of a bit of a paradox in a way in formula e sense because you know there are never clear favourites in Formula E because the makeup of the qualifying, um, the qualifying sporting format and so forth. But if there is a favourite, 
it's not particularly original, but I think Diesta Cheetah start the season as fa- as favourites, but in Formerie, that's a very slight favourite take. Yeah, you get nothing for predicting the reigning champions as pre-season favourites, Sam. That's that's awful punditry. But, uh, I mean, we can't go without at least attempting to get our crystal balls out. So, um, Gary, we'll go to you first. First of all, who do you think is going to win in Diria? And then who do you think is going to be the champion? Uh, I think... Um... Good question. I think uh, in Diria, I think Antonio Felix Acosta is going to win out there. And the overall champion? I'm not going to let you evade uh, the question. <laughs> the overall champion will be, surprisingly, Stoffel Van Dorn, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam? Or Nick DeVries. I don't mind either, oh, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to completely contra- contradict myself after what I said about DSTG now. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to go for the optimistic... Uh, non Diesta Cheetah champion and, and actually I'm going to go with Sebastian Buemi I think he's got the experience he's still got the desire he's still um, he still wants it and I think he could easily not easily but I think he could be uh, joining John Eric Vernon being a double world champion at the end of the season but one thing we know for sure is it's going to be it's going to be astonishingly close as ever in Formula and, and for Diria oh and Diria you, yeah um, I'm gonna go for a. I'm gonna go for a, a surprise, um, a surprise victory, and I'm gonna make Gary blush here and say that Nick De Vries will win his first race, and the second race I'm gonna go for. Um, I'm gonna go for Oliver Rowland. Okay, well, I'm. I'm gonna. Th- I think Sims is gonna start the season strongly again, so I think he he'll win the the first one. But I'm gonna agree with Gary. I think uh, I think Stoffel's gonna win the championship. I think. That consistency will come in. That his his guaranteed fan boost win in every race will uh, will come to his aid, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he'll bring he'll bring home the bacon. Well, thank you very much for joining. Oh, finally, Gary, just a very quick one. Um, what what difference, if any, are you anticipate in the night race making? Well, um, you know the, the 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 temperatures will be a bit cooler, I guess, at night. Um, visibility is a massive thing, you know, in Formerie when you're 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 racing. Up, up to concrete walls. I think everybody that's, that's all the drivers that have raced at, at Singapore will, will will talk about how difficult it is to see the walls. Um, you know, the position of the lights makes it difficult to see exactly where the wall joins the track. Um, and in in Adiria, um, around the, the tight and twisty section, that's pretty fast. It, it's going to be challenging around there, um, especially in 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 dusk. You know, when when the lights failing. So. I think that um, the driver is going to have to take a bit more margin uh, because I think it's going to be a lot easier to make mistakes. You know, with the lighting being um, a little bit worse, definitely even with the lights, it's going to be worse. Trying to see where where that racing line is. You know, Adiria, especially last season, was incredibly dusty. I mean, the the, the amount of dust. We, I think the year before we were quite lucky with the rain. The rain washed it away actually, but last year it was so dusty that getting offline was was. I mean, you were in the wall basically. So I think seeing that the edge of that racing line is going to be even more difficult in the dusk. So I feel like um, it's going to be quite quite a bit more challenging um, when we turn the lights on. So we'll have to wait until that happens. Oh, thank, thanks, Gary. It's been fascinating insight there. Thank you for joining us for this. Um, as ever, you can catch all of the build-up and the race report from Deria uh, on thehighfromrace.com. Uh, don't forget to check out our other podcasts, including our Formula One podcast, which we just had our one millionth download. So uh, we're very happy about that here. And also we'll be covering all the new F1 car launches as they play over the next couple of weeks. Uh, So thanks again for our guests joining us. And we'll be back with a post-race show, hopefully celebrating a new winner. Thank you very much.